Hello, my name's Ada Wordsworth and welcome to this Pushkin House podcast. We're recording this five days after Alexei Navalny was arrested, having returned to Russia from Germany where he was receiving treatment for Novichok poisoning, a suspected attempt on his life by the FSB. Today I will be interviewing Alina Danilina, who is from Moscow, Alina Zed, also from Moscow, and Maria Kuznetsova, who is from Siberia but currently lives in Moscow. All three have been involved in pro-opposition protests this week and in the past. We decided to record this podcast the day before the mass protests due to concerns about interviewees being arrested, which gives some sense of the stakes involved. Tomorrow, Navalny's supporters will take to the streets to protest his arrest, corruption in Russia and Vladimir Putin. Thank you all so much for joining me. Um, and so to begin, I'd love to hear a bit about all of your histories and how you got involved in the opposition movement. Um, what brought you here? Um, maybe Maria, you could start. Yeah, so I first got involved with opposition movement uh, four years ago when Alexei Navalny published his film about Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev and about his corruption. So for me, uh, I wasn't interested in politics before, and for me it was a kind of revelation. And I went to my first protest in Moscow, and actually it was one of the biggest uh, during that years. And I saw how police how police beat people, and for me it was kind of like eyes opening. And after that, I joined opposition movement to work for different political campaigns in Moscow, including um, munic- um, local elections and at um, like Moscow level. Uh, I now work at Open Russia movement and we organize campaigns to support political prisoners and also get involved in some electoral campaigns. So yeah. Great, thank you. And Alina said, what about you? Uh, hello. Uh, I uh, can't say that like I'm a real uh, opposition, yes, uh, but uh, uh, I uh, saw a lot of yes videos of uh, Alexei Navalny and uh, I um, totally agree with him that uh, Russia is full of uh, corruptions, uh, liars, uh, and so on. So it's going to be my first time, and uh, I'm ready. Great. Um, And what about other Alina? (laughs) Uh, I was 14 years old when I first heard about Alexei Navalny, and I heard about a very... um, Big story how our government stole the elections to the our parliament and I heard about the protests. So I decided to go to the protest firstly when I was 14 years old. I lived a small in a small city near Moscow. And so I just went to the protest and I saw with my own eyes how police uh, were beating people and they were detained them and all these awful things happening just right in, right in front of me. I also looked at the news around Russia in every city was like a big protest. So I deeply got involved this time. 
so since then, uh, sincerely, I forgot for this story. And a few years, I lived like a normal teenager, <laughs> with like normal teenager life. But then, when I entered the university and started studying as a polit political scientist, I decided to know about everything more and worked at the elections. They always uh, try to rig the election. And I met new people who lead me there. So now I work for a few years in an opposition organization in different opposition movements and do some human rights defense on political prisoners. So now, now I'm here your friends and your families when you guys first got involved are people generally supportive of you are your families quite apathetic or are they pro-putin um, my family were really pro-putin and we didn't really talk about it because i wasn't much of an activist i was always more like a political scientist always learning about things uh, and thinking about it uh, they are quite well with everything what i do of course, sometimes they support something, sometimes they are afraid for me, but most of the time they understand. My family views really changed. Now, probably it is my work, but uh, now they are more pro-opposition and they don't like Putin, want him to go away. Do you think that that's because of your involvement? Do you feel like you persuaded them in that way or because of the way that things have changed in Russia? Well, it was some kind of a soft power I showed them the news and they made some conclusions. <laughs> and of course, there were some laws that happened in recent few years when a lot of people got involved, really. Yeah. Um, and Maria, you were starting to say something, sorry. My father is, is not pro-Putin. Uh, I think he is more uh, opposition, but now he uh, is not interested in this thing because uh, I think he's uh, maybe too old for this. And uh, I'm not going to say him that I'm going to a uh, demonstration tomorrow because I don't want to disturb him. I also can say that uh, I was uh, a political too when I was young and uh, I admire all these young people who are really involved uh, in this situation and I'm really sorry that uh, I began to understand, uh, to interested about these situations, but it's never too late. I'm from like a city that is uh, 5,000 kilometers from Moscow. Uh, my family is from Siberia and completely apolitical. They just don't care about politics because it happens in Moscow somewhere really far away. So I can't say that they were really against what I do, but they are mostly just afraid uh, of me getting arrested and all of the stuff. They just don't understand why I do it because like um, when big politics happens somewhere really far away, you just think that it's not important. So for them, they just don't see the value and the reasons why I do that. But I can't say that they're really against it. Do you feel like outside of Moscow and St. Petersburg, do people know about the opposition movement? Do people know who Navalny is? In uh, small towns, they still uh, watch TV, uh, no matter uh, what uh, it's an uh, adult person or a young person. I would say that they know him, but they don't really care in a way. 
they just know the name and that he do things against Putin, but it's not deep understanding or supporting either him or Putin. I would say that except for young people, if you go really outside of big cities, not just like Moscow and St. Petersburg, but also cities that are more than one million people, I think that people are still quite apolitical, although now they know better who Navalny is. The adult people, uh, they still uh, watch TV where propagandists uh, say that Navalny is uh, like an evil agent from other countries and so on. Uh, I think that uh, Telegram, of course, plays a big role uh, in the fact that the protest gets younger and younger. Uh, first of all, we need to understand that people can access and have access to information and it spreads really quickly. And in Telegram and Instagram and so on, uh, I noticed that a lot of channels and public pages uh, not about politics at all, like about some music or films. Uh, they start posting news about Navalny poisoning and so on. Uh, even I read the channel of Moscow News and it usually posts something about protests and everything like that. So the information spreads really quickly. And that is why people can access the information and get more involved in that they can know about it and make something uh, up in their minds about it. I mean, I was going to ask about that. I spent a lot of today and last night watching pro-Navalny TikToks and it seems like loads of teenagers in Russia are getting involved. Do you think that Telegram has had the biggest role in promoting the opposition movement outside of people who are already politicized? Or is there also stuff on Instagram and on TikTok and on other more casual networks as well? Uh, young people use social media. There is a Telegram, of course. I would also like to add that I especially enjoyed, for example, uh, some fashion channels that this week posted a lot of uh, stuff on how what should you wear on protest so they just usually yeah so it's not like typical but they just explain how how you should like be really comfortable and warm and all of this stuff everyone just took the part and for example some organizations of psychologists they also offer the help tomorrow just for activists and people just to support them and many organizations do the same <laughs> yeah. People have obviously been making comparisons with the Belarus protests, in particular with the fact that after Sergei Tikhanovsky was arrested, his wife Svetlana took over the leadership of the movement and has now declared herself president. Do you see connections between that? Can you see something similar happening with Yulia Navalnaya? I read that she might be standing in elections. Or do you think that the movement is either very focused on Navalny as a person or if it's going to stop being focused on Navalny as a person will broaden out beyond the Navalny family? It's kind of different to Belarus because in Belarus protests um, like spread a lot because of the atrocities of police and how violent they detained people on the first demonstration that wasn't really big. In Russia, police is quite different. Actually, they are not so severe and they don't like use gas or something. 
um, it's much more like, you know, in a peaceful way, though, of course, they detain people and they detain women and they can beat people, but still it's not that severe because they know they will be recorded, they know there will be cases maybe against them, at least like it will be publicly disclosed. I would say it's, um, it's, it's different in a way, yeah. Can I add something? Uh, I I think it's not uh, about uh, uh, Belarusian uh, uh, police is uh, like cruel and our police is not so cruel. Vladimir Putin is not so, uh, I can say, stupid than like uh, uh, Lukashenko because I think Lukashenko, he, he is really mad. And uh, I think uh, the situation, uh, situation in uh, with the demonstrations, and um, it depends on uh, how it's going to be in general. So we don't know. The protests in Russia and Belarus may have some parallels, maybe just in recent year, maybe uh, because when I joined the political, um, no, sorry, human defense defense movement. Uh, of course, we talked about Belarusian protests and political prisoners. And five, four years ago, it was so different. It was so totally different from uh, Russia uh, four or five years ago. So we were talking about them like about something like another planet. Uh, very pity, a lot of stress, but something not happening here. And recent years, it starts to uh, be alike in some things. And I think that orders that give our, gives our government is really uh, now um, more closer to what Lukashenko does, because uh, we started, they started um, um, uh, criminal cases right before the protest actions and other signs that show that it may be closer to them now. And what about uh, Yulia Navalny as a um, opposition leader and a candidate? I think, yes, for me, it seems like it may happen and she's going tomorrow to the uh, protests. Probably she really starts to act like a full uh, political leader just starting. She writes posts to her Instagram and more people follow her and she starts talking like a politician. Before that, before this year, last year, she was Navalny's wife. I really appreciate her as a woman and as a person, but she didn't say political things. And now all she's saying, they're political things and I think she will. she's ready to do political actions. We see a very strong personality in Navalny. I don't know any other example of people in Russia who would be so strong. Uh, I don't think that Yulia Navalny will take his part. He also has uh, his team. Yes, there are a lot of lawyers. And uh, I think maybe Yulia Navalny will just work uh, with them but not instead of Alexei. So Navalny said in the past some 
very unprogressive things, particularly on the topic of race and ethnicity. He also used to be the organizer of the nationalist Russia marches in Moscow. And in the West, at least, when people look at the Navalny movement, I think people are just quite confused because on the one hand, it's portrayed as very progressive and democratic. But on the other hand, you know, you go onto Navalny's Twitter and you see really horrible things that he said about people from the Caucasus and about Muslims. And I was just wondering how you relate Navalny as the progressive, democratic, political organiser and the Navalny who has said these things and organised these marches? Uh, yeah, nowadays we support Navalny, uh, not about his news or his use, but just because he's fighting for freedom in Russia and against corruption and in all that we support him. But of course, some of his points of views uh, we don't share. And maybe 10 years ago when he uh, said about these things a lot in Russia, maybe it was normal for people. But now everything changes, well, it changes uh, in Russia later <laughs> uh, than in Europe and some other Western countries. So it was even normal for people then, but not now, especially in Moscow and St. Petersburg and in all large cities. I would say that interestingly, there is like a divide between people like who support Navalny and the position. First, it's like uh, people of an older generation who participated in democratic movement in 90s, who was then like maybe 30 years or 25, and who like saw how Yeltsin came to power and how democracy was established. So they know that these values and they remember them. So for and they st they are still in democratic movement and especially in human rights movement. And the other people is a much younger generation, like of our age, who mostly live just. Um, during Putin's time and people in between like our parents maybe who were mostly like children in 90s they are much more apolitical I would say that some older generation. But is that a divide in people who do and don't support Navalny people who maybe people who were of a working age in the 1990s who were adults when the Soviet Union fell and so remember that kind of chaos and younger people who are perhaps more idealistic and have more hope? Of course, all people are different. I know people of all ages supporting Navalny, and I know young people younger than me who are, think that Navalny is uh, paid by American government, uh, so he's very bad. People are really different, but it always was more difficult as for me working at the elections, for example, to um, make old, older people believe in values we share, maybe just because they're more difficult to talk about that. They don't believe it that fast, but with, with time, with time, and if they say it a lot, maybe once they will understand us. That's what I think. 
I'm 32 and uh, I don't uh, have friends or acquaintances that uh, supports Vladimir Putin. If uh, someone says uh, Vladimir Putin is uh, very good and so on, I would be very surprised and I can say that I uh, can't uh, talk to this person anymore or have some relations because it's weird for me. You're a young person who supports uh, Vladimir Putin. Why? Why? Like my uh, close friends, uh, they uh, support Navalny, but I have a lot of friends who are, are political. Um, is there a um, sort of connection between the Navalny or opposition movement and other political movements in Russia? Um, for example, the feminist movement, the LGBT rights movement, the ecology movement. Um, are these groups united, would you say, um, or is it very separated? I think it's separated. We even uh, don't have any like uh, uh, one like opposite center uh, in Russia. So a lot of oppositions, they don't like uh, Navalny. And so ecological movements, LGBT movements there. But I think ecological and LGBT movement, we can, I can say that it's uh, maybe like close or together or close to each other, but uh, political and uh, I think uh, ecological movements, they're really separate. I would, I would agree that ecological movement is completely separate, but with um, women rights and like feminist movement, I would say there are some interconnections. And even Navalny started to talk about uh, this issues since the last years. And I would say that other opposition group also bring these issues, especially when um, feminist uh, Yulia Tvitkova was arrested for just uh, drawing uh, some feminine body pictures. So after that, especially, I think that uh, like, now there are like much more like interconnection between them. Were there any protests after the initial Novichok poisoning? Like was that just not really registered by people? Mostly no and I think the reason was precisely because just people couldn't understand like if he's alive, if he's yeah. like that. So of course if he would have died <laughs> there would be <laughs> much like there would be a lot of protest but because there was like this complicated situation people just didn't know what to do and maybe it can happen in in the following weeks if the situation is still unresolved and we just don't like you know see the consequences of like i don't know like there is no like obvious fact that he would go to prison for some years yeah, uh, there were uh, no like uh, organization uh, organizers uh, when uh, Navalny uh, was poisoned. But now we have uh, people who uh, encourage uh, other people uh, to visit this demonstration. So uh, that's uh, uh, the reason. And I can also say that uh, like a single picket uh, is. Uh, 
uh, I think more dangerous now than a big demonstration because uh, there is a chance um, to avoid uh, yes policemen in a big uh, protest but there is no way uh, to avoid uh, some punishment when you go to a single packet because uh, they you can go on single packets by by uh, uh, like legally but in fact uh, they uh, arrest you like like for yeah. one or three hours so it's uh, really dangerous and unpleasant to go single to go yourself uh, there also was all this coronavirus uh, coronavirus situation in russia last year and it's really made a change to the protest moment. In March, we didn't know what to do about it. In April, we were all locked down at home. In yeah. May, we, we did an online protest action, like maybe 100,000 people participated, but it's online and it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Uh, not, not like on the streets. And in August, when Navalny was poisoned, uh, firstly, we didn't know how to react, what will happen to him. And we still uh, weren't protesting on the streets. We did some single demonstrations, of course, and were detained for it. And I had two penalties. But uh, only maybe now we understand that we might maybe go to the streets because the situations got maybe more understandable for us. People wear masks and so on and can do vaccination and more of us uh, got ill already. <laughs> so yeah. people are not afraid like that anymore. So protest now is more perspective from this side of view. And um, a lot of uh, can I add? And a lot of yeah. uh, famous uh, people uh, ask uh, us to go. So and other people, maybe uh, their fans, uh, uh, I don't know, just uh, young people look at uh, their uh, like uh, icons, yes, and say, oh, this singer, I I like him, and uh, he asked uh, to go. Yeah. If you guys could ask anything of the West or specifically the EU um, to help your movement, to help support it, support Navalny and the opposition movement, what would you ask? Do you think that there should be more sanctions? Do you think that these are counterproductive? I think countries such as like European countries, the uh, USA and some other democratic countries should close access to all those people that are close to Vladimir Putin. But it would be a help from other countries. Still, we have to do it uh, by ourselves. So we just we have to go outside, just going outside and, I don't know, protest like uh, Belarusians and it's, uh, it's the only way to win. I would say that the only thing that works is uh, personal sanctions against um, some people who are close to Putin. And I mean, not just like officials, but people who are associated with him, like 
his close friends and who are believed to keep his money. Uh, because like if Western countries have some sanctions against like Russia in general, the propaganda just uses it to show that, oh, look, we should unite. We should like don't have any disagreement between because we have a common enemy that is outside of our country. So I think it's really important not to have like sanctions against like all Russian citizens, but instead just um, like precisely show like and do some actions against people who are close to the regime. Were any of you at the Vnukova or Shermietova or at the court? And if so, could you just describe what the atmosphere was like and the experience of being there? I was at Sheremetyevo airport and next day I was at Himki police station where yeah. Alexei Navalny was. So in Sheremetyevo, so that was like the second airport where... Yeah, how they, did you know to be at Sheremetyevo? I actually live not really far from there. So when She's they, working at the police. I know. <laughs> <laughs> she knew everything. <laughs> Yeah, so actually, because like no one expected to go to Sheremetyevo, there were no uh, problems with the traffic and I managed yeah. to be there in 30 minutes and it was enough. So at Sheremetyevo, it was really nice because there were no police and around, I think, 300 people were there. Oh, wow. and, yeah, so, and they were all inside and maybe they were like, 10 or 15 policemen that just didn't know what to do. But especially <laughs> when people started shouting and when Yulia Navalny showed up, uh, people just like um, were around her and they were screaming and uh, running through the airport and police didn't do anything. And it <laughs> seemed like people could occupy the airport and like authorities couldn't do anything. Uh, yeah, so it was actually quite a nice feeling because um, there was no any, you know, like restrictions as yeah. uh, at Vnukovo where they detained a lot of people and where there were just like some hundreds of policemen there. Um, in Hinki, I was there with Alina actually. Uh, in Hinki, I wouldn't say there were a lot of people, mostly there were just journalists and some activists, but just two or three hundred. But actually it was really cold, like minus 20 or something. Yeah. So. Um, it was quite difficult to be there. Um, I would say that um, they also didn't expect it to happen because police also showed up there much later. Uh, yeah. And so just to end, how hopeful are you guys about this? How hopeful are you that there will be change in Russia, whether it be from Navalny or from the movement on a kind of bigger level? I think uh, it's a really big way. Uh, we have to uh, be ready that it's um, can go like uh, years or like more than 10 years. Uh, so we have to be ready. Uh, but uh, 
we still uh, have to remember that uh, do something is better than uh, to do nothing. Uh, and uh, uh, I uh, asked uh, myself like, uh, Yesterday, uh, am I uh, afraid uh, to go? Yes, on a demonstration. And then uh, I realized that uh, uh, it's, uh, I'm afraid uh, to stay home uh, uh, more than uh, to go uh, outside because uh, it's uh, about uh, Navalny, it's about our, our freedom, it's about democracy, it's about everything. And I uh, want, uh, I want to live uh, in a country where I can uh, say everything, where people um, uh, live uh, good, uh, where they have uh, 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 good pensions and so on. And uh, we all don't want to live in a country where a group of people uh, rob us every day, uh, spend uh, our taxes for uh, castles uh, and so on. I would say that um, stakes now are very high. So if uh, we don't participate now and Alexei Navalny goes to prison for some years, all other democratic leaders will follow him and like all structures that we have created in the last years will be completely destroyed. Because I think the situation is quite similar to what happened with Mikhail Khodorkovsky in 2003 when after his arrest, all like Yukas and his allies, they also went to prison and the corporation was completely destroyed. And I'm really afraid that the same thing can happen now because um, like, uh, I think like for authorities, it was really difficult to arrest some, someone from Navalny's team when he was uh, on, when he was like at freedom but now if he cannot defend them i think they will try to destroy the whole system that he created i think it's getting worse i'm 100 percent sure that it's getting worse uh, the police uh, actions are getting much uh, harder on us they even beat up lawyers something that happened yesterday and we were all shocked and i think they may beat people as usual and start criminal cases and they arrest people just for like being he didn't do nothing just were at, in moscow yeah and me personally i live for a few last years under the threat of a criminal case with the charge of maximum six years and i got used to it actually uh, is, that just, is that for protesting uh yeah because they are the organization i work and participate in is called non-wanted i don't know the translation unwanted <laughs> in yeah. russia so it's criminal thing to participate in that but i'm not a leader I'm just a manager, I manage things, so I'm not interested for them to 
make the full case because it takes time and they're not interested in me. That's yeah. why I'm free and talk to you right now. <laughs> but yeah. it's getting worse, all these things. And I'm not really sure it's a question if there are people who may represent Russian citizens' views as cool as Navalny did. And he has only one, he has a lot of followers, millions. No, no, one, no one else has this uh, audience in Russian polit political uh, opposition leaders. So without him, it's totally will be worse. And his team is also under huge threat now. So it's either new people show up in this uh, world or we just live and do nothing. But of course, I hope it will get better someday. Will we do anything for that? Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for joining me and for taking part in this. Um, I'm really grateful. This has been really interesting and really informative. Um, and yeah, good luck tomorrow. Um, I hope everything goes well. I hope it's not too cold. I hope you all stay safe. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And good luck, all of us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pushkin House podcast. This episode was presented by Ada Wordsworth and edited by Yorick Donovic Kopf. The series editor was me, Rafi Hay. For more content like this, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Acast and Apple Podcasts, subscribe to our YouTube channel for videos of our events and concerts, and check out pushkinhouse.org to read our blogs, book tickets to upcoming events, and see the books and gifts newly available for 2021. Thanks for listening.